Saying low, Apple Music. Hey, thank you for joining us once again for another conversation with an incredible human being and artist right here on the interview series. If you take a look at the list of artists over the last couple of years, aside from being very sort of across different genres and they're not really being a stylistic or musical theme to the group of artists. We don't really exist in that world, but you'll also notice that there's quite a lot of legendary figures who I've been lucky enough to speak to recently. This, this wasn't always the case. A lot of times when I was really sort of focused on just playing new music, I never really was able to get in those rooms and talk to the people who really inspired me from a young age. But in recent years, I've been lucky enough to do that. I guess our paths cross. <laughs> Maturity is a funny thing, right? The field gets narrower the older you get. So I find myself sitting in this chair in the room I'm recording this in a couple of days ago, talking to Ozzy Osbourne and his wife and manager Sharon Osbourne to celebrate the release of a brand new album called Patient Number no. 9. Conversations with Ozzy are rare. And when I had one a couple of years back, I felt like just very lucky to have had the opportunity to talk to him about music and and dive into life but to get to speak to him again only a couple of years later about what is one of the best Ozzy Osbourne albums you're ever going to hear was beyond a privilege he was an incredible form him and Sharon telling deep and honest and at times emotional stories about their life shared and the experiences they've had all tracing back to this remarkable new album that features some incredible friends of the family you know Jeff Beck Eric Clapton Mike McCready and Andrew Watt, who once again has assembled his incredible house band, includes Chad from the Chili Peppers and Rob from Metallica. I mean, it's just, it's people playing rock music at the highest level and Ozzy's performance is out of this world. So enjoy this conversation, myself and the incredible Ozzy Osbourne, Sharon Osbourne, and very special guest at the beginning of the conversation right here on the interview series. What do you mean? Did Jeff Beck sell and Eric Clapson? Oh, I think everybody on this album showed up. And I think everybody played the best that they possibly could. Oh, when Andrew said to me, um, uh, Jeff Beck, I said, oh, he, he would You must have been freaking out because that's like your guy. That's like, your, your, he's your hero, right? Oh, I mean, he's, he's on a different level than me. I mean, uh, <laughs> Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck are like megastars. You know what I said to Andrew? Yeah, I don't think you want to play on my album. Uh, and they both did. This and, the, and Tony Army played on the album. He's, he's, he wrote a song. This yeah. is what I love so much about you, Ozzy, is that, is, look who's calling me. Can't leave you alone. <laughs> and, and should I put him through? Put him through. Hang on, I'm going to put you through, you rascal. Hang on a second. Hold up. There you go. Andy? Uh, yeah, I'm here, baby. Yeah, you got Ozzy and Sharon. You got the the love story in in the flesh, the great love story in the flesh, right in front of me here. Oh my God, Mom and Dad! Yeah, hi, my <laughs> darling. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm still in the Cotswolds. I've traded places with you guys. Oh God, I can't believe I'm so. So jealous. you're gonna be super jet lagged by the fifth? <laughs> no, I'll be ready to go. Okay. He's still the boss. He's, just <laughs> He's making sure you're on your game and as well he should, what? But do you see you hear how easy he is to convince? I don't know, man. He may say okay, but I don't but he just he doesn't look like his eyes are saying okay. He sees he looks like he, <laughs> <laughs> You're about to be there, mister. <laughs> hey, while I got you on the phone here and we're just getting started and I'm so thrilled. This is such a great moment. Um, congratulations to everybody here. 
and and everyone who's not here on making this. But Andrew album. Andrew pulled the stro- Andrew did it, was the guy that said let's use this guy and let's. I was, I was like I was going Andrew you you got out of your league and uh, yeah. He pulled it off. You know, I was just saying how much I love Ozzy's humility that even after this incredible life that continues, he still questions whether or not Jeff Beck's going to show up. I mean, can you just it's give us... so funny. Yeah, go on, mate. I mean, just to even just to hear how he just introed that, you know, I, I don't know if I've even gotten a chance to say this to you, but it's not because of me, man. It's literally because of you. Yep. That's why everyone wants to be there. That's why... Um, what are we going to use on the next one? Abused everybody. <laughs> you know, Andy Watts never been one to turn down a challenge. So if that's yeah, a, if that's an really. official offer, then, yeah. then Sharon, get the paperwork ready. Let's yeah. get to work. <laughs> it's so much fun. We have so much fun doing this, and and we've we've become like family at this point. And me and Sharon get to have fun putting our heads together, yeah, and yeah. it's just it's really great. But you know, when you sit back and you listen down to the album and you hear the breadth of guitar players that are on this record, they're all showed up because of how much they love and respect Ozzy, but no one guy is the same or playing in the same style. Well, that's it's- what's so incredible about it is that is that you have all of these incredibly distinctive players, many of which you never get to hear collaborate anymore. If they're going to do something, they'll kind of do exactly, it themselves. Yeah. Right? I mean, why is Eric going to show and play on anyone else's record unless he loves you? And I haven't heard him play like that. I'm going to put myself on the line here for like decades. I haven't heard him play like that, leaning into his blues like do, that. Do you know what? So many people have said that, that have, that have heard this. And exactly what you have said, they've said too. Yeah, it's the blues. It's Eric with the blues again. And we've seen him. Make, I mean, Harry you know, Clapton, he's, he's like, I call him God. Mm. Yeah. 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 It's... It's true. And, you know, I, when we were we were talking about who do we get? OK, well, we got Jeff Beck. That was the first guest. So that set the bar pretty high. So we're like, should we try and get Eric Clapton? Should we try, we're trying to get, you know, do the Holy Trinity. And we made this piece of music because we were talking. Ozzy said that his favorite Clapton is cream. So mm. we made this song that was kind of like heavy cream. And it then, does have that uh, groove to it, right? There's a real groove to it as well, which I love. Yeah. And Ozzy said he has to use a Wawa. It's <laughs> so. the thing that freaked me out. That freaked me out. As soon as Clapton broke out the Wawa, I was like, oh, what so is this going is the on best right part. now? This, this is the best part. Ozzy just checks in with me every day. Sometimes he's like, did the Clapton part come in? Yeah. I'm like, nope. And he just writes, Wawa? Question mark? Like, you know, like, all, all the time. Like, he just wants to know. Like, Wawa? Hey, Andrew, how are you doing this morning? Make sure Eric Clapton uses a Wawa. So I'm like, okay, Ozzy. I mean, like, you know what we're gonna, you know what we're going to do? If he, would, if he didn't have to use a Wawa, we're going we're gonna to feed the type through the Wawa. Wawa? You were going to do it. You we did. I set it up. <laughs> I, I he would have come back to you. He'd have come back to you and gone, "Yeah, I, I, I'm confused." You'd be like, "Yeah, mate, wah wah you, mate. I wah wah you." <laughs> That's oh so we. So I I had his his email through his engineer, and I just kept sending emails all literally like, "Hey, we're excited. Ozzy's excited. We just want to make sure you're using." Oh my a god! Wah-wah. You had to DJ Khaled it. You had to DJ Khaled it. Yeah, but I have Every to time. tell you, I have to tell you, Andrew. After a while, he was getting pissed. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> Did he, did he reach out to him? Was he like, can you Wait. tell Andrew what to leave me alone? The final thing that was, we found out where they were recording and we sent a Wawa to the studio. 
That's borderline offensive. If you're Eric Clapton, that's borderline offensive. I know. Apparently, goes to Andrew. Who was his manager? No, it was his engineer. Engineer. Simon Simon Climby. Simon Climby, who's an amazing. You don't have to tell him. Eric Clapton, you don't do it too. Yeah, bet. Yeah, bet. Well, because he's terrified. Imagine if he's at the board and he's like, listen, I've got 65 emails from someone called Andrew Watt asking you to wah wah. (laughs) Eric Clapton's like, you can tell Andrew Watt to go fuck himself. Well, he didn't. And and what we're left with is like the greatest Clapton wah wah we've heard. In a long time, and it's like yeah. it's surreal. It's to listen. fucking great, isn't oh, it? dude. When it came in, can you remember what it felt like hearing Clapton's part? It's it's what I I mean, but this way, I was not in the slightest disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was elated. It was like fucking hell. Because you're still the biggest fan. That's what's so great about this. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I have a great Eric Clapton story to tell you. Let's go. Many years ago, Sharon and I went to New York. I mean, I'm talking like 25 years ago. Yeah. And I, I, when I was getting off all the booze, I was got very paranoid about doing public appearances and yeah. things. So me and Grace Jones go up and do this. Uh, it was an award show. Yeah. Award show. And he, I'm crapping myself there. So after I did the, did the award, this guy comes to me and goes, I want to do a picture, of, a photo with you, Grace Jones, and Eric Clapton. I'm going, fuck Eric Clapton. He's going to think I'm some kind of joke, you know. So we go, and the guy's going, do your, uh, your monster Aussie face. And I'm going, no, no, come on and get a photograph done and get the fuck out there. So he goes, the guy won't stop. And so I go, okay, and, and, and I do this face. i never seen the photograph in the magazine. I'm going to show him. She, he fucking pulled the photograph. He did, he did. For 10 years, he was going off at Sharon. So I go to an, an, an AA meeting in the valley, yeah. and I look over my shoulder, and there's Eric Clapton. I'm going, fuck. He's found out where he's going. He's gonna, I'm thinking, for 10 years, he's fucking even thinking well, I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it's a paranoid. So at the end of the meeting, I fucking run to my car and drive off. Two weeks later, I go back. He's there again. I'm going, fuck. <laughs> and I, I got across the road to get in my, my car. And I, I, I just went to step, step off the curb, and he goes, Ozzy, and I go, oh, fuck, here we go. He goes, good to see you in the rooms. La, 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 have a great conversation. So I'm thinking, fuck, it's all right, you know. Two weeks later, I go to a, a music stand, and there is the fucking photograph <laughs> on the front of a magazine. I'm like, well, was, you know, it's unbelievable. Uh, do you think Ozzy's a bit paranoid? Uh, yeah, this is what Just I was going to say. I have to use this word. It's endearing to the level to which you acknowledge who you are versus how everyone else sees you. It's, 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 I mean, I think... No any, ego. No ego. I think anyone that can play an instrument is better than me, you know. I'm a singer. Yeah, well, Eric Clapton can definitely play guitar better than you. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. But you know what? what's really cool? Yeah. He's, he, he, he's, he's a style upon himself, and you know Eric Clapton when you hear him. Yeah. He didn't do all these fucking tricks and acrobats. He just plays. Yeah, well, he's always been true to it. That was the beauty of Randy Rhodes. Randy Rhodes was, could do all the, everything, but he would, in one solo, he'd go, Eric Clapton, 
uh, all through the range of different guitar players, and he played as well as anything. Because he understood the love you have for music outside of the music that you made that everyone loved about you. And that's the thing I think we've really learned over the course of your life is how much of a fan of everything that you are, even though you're known for playing heavier music. And Randy well, recognized it's, that. It's right? kind of the... the the, st- the, the, uh, the tag heavy metal, I've never got my head around that because they've put me with a lot of these death metals. Yeah. In, you know, it's like if, 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 I, if I want to do something, this album, for instance, is not very heavy. You know? uh, I'm sorry, what album? Are we listening to the same album? Because this album <laughs> I mean, is I mean, heavy. heavy. I mean, heavy riffs kind of thing. Sure. Like it's, it's, I always used to say it's, you know, when they try to put you in a category. Yeah. And you say, no, 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 it's yeah. not heavy metal. It's Aussie music. He's got the harder edge. But he's got such a melodic way of doing but his Sharon, when vocals. you're part of a band that invent the term, that is the, the hardest monkey to yeah, get but, off your but, back. But, but, because yeah, you're, you're Black Sabbath. Without yeah. you, there is no term. Look at how many bands are put under heavy metal. Yeah. And they used to put Bon Jovi under heavy metal. And that is like when you think about it, I it's mean, laughable. I mean, the hair metal bands. Yeah. It was, a, it was like... I mean, I, I, so actually, I was, I was talking to Tony I'm about Iommi about recently, and he said, "I fucking hated the age, <laughs> hated them guitar players, hated everything." Yeah, yeah. Well, when again, you know, you were moving into an area where it became about commerce. That's really what it was about. Yeah. When you when you invented heavy metal and Black Sabbath was making music, you were making it from the heart and you were trying to appeal to yourselves first and your fans second. Well, In the kind of, 80s, it was about fans first. And also about the way you looked. There yeah. was nothing organic. Nothing came naturally. It was all contrived. Yeah. But but Sharon, you, to me, have always been able to walk that fine line between um, drawing the authenticity out of whoever you're working with, with the obvious example being Aussie, but also knowing how to press those buttons and reach more people you seem to have both sides to your nature to be able to say i'm not going to make you change but i'm definitely going to make you bigger i try well sharon <laughs> uh once she takes something on she'll take it on 100,000 percent yeah she is no half measures until somebody does a dirty trick on her and then it's over yeah yeah <laughs> You, I mean, uh, people do fucking bad things, you know. What, in the music industry? Nah. Hey, what, are you still there or you bounce back to dinner? Yeah. No, 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 I'm still here. I'm, I'm actually, I'm loving this conversation. I was keeping my mouth shut. But when you were talking about how to explain Ozzy to me, like when you think about it just really quick, in a quick sentence, the party answer is Evil Beatles. Evil Beatles is beautiful. It's That's a, a great thing. title, run, Andrew. Keep that one. Yeah, it's strong. <laughs> well, you can like, right? Like, we'll try. We'll come up with the heaviest riff that we can, <laughs> right? Like, take a song like the first song on the album yep. called "Immortal." Yeah, it's heavy as hell. It's based off, you know, a minor progression that's dark and feels Ozzy. But the way Ozzy writes, he doesn't pay attention to major or minor. So he's singing this major melody over these dark chords. And all of a sudden, you have this melodic sing-along song. No one else can do that. I like agree. When you listen, When you listen to other 
bands that are that we love you know heavy heavy bands bands that are in that genre that you talk about heavy metal yeah they're not melodic the way that ozzy's melodic. you know deftones he, do it in reverse they make the heaviest shit out there and then he comes out there chino and he, and he sings these beautiful minor like awful just vulnerable things and you're like mm -hmm. I, I feel disconnected but it's really working yeah. you know yeah i wanted to ask you ozzy that when you get it when it's time for you to record vocals and perform these songs and you step into the booth because you sound unbelievable on this record. I mean, the vocal performances on this album are incredible. Well, you know, you know, I just do, I just do it from the heart. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm my own worst critic. I'm like, I'm like, I'm going to go and do. I ain't good enough. I got to do it. Again. And he goes, that's it's quite fine. Yeah. Because oh, and then when the album's done, and uh, I, 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 I'm always looking for the faults. You know. But I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a perfectionist when it comes to my phrasing. Yeah. You have never seen somebody double their voice the way that Ozzy does it. That's like what I was going to, I need to know how you do it because it is so he is flawless. The he is the best of all time. And that comes from years of having to do it to tape. You know what I mean? Like he literally he gets the line closes it he reads the lyric a few times and he closes his eyes and he goes for those takes from the heart and your hairs rise on your arms and then after you're like it couldn't get any better than this he goes okay now let me double it and mm. then you jump in the air you're like it's fucking Ozzy you know what I mean like it's just that <laughs> sound like that so, is the sound this is what I'm going to try to get to and, and please be be generous with me as I as I form this question in my head because it's complicated for me to try to express when you are in that moment Ozzy when it's time to sing, not talk to me mm -hmm. and press or, you know, deal with this meeting or that meeting or all the other stuff that happens either side of that. Is that when you are at your most present? Is that, is that when you are at I the most peaceful? I just do it, you know. I've been doing it 54 years and if I don't know what I'm doing now, I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, but how do you get to the emotional place so readily? I don't know. I just turn into Ozzy and I just, I mean, I don't. I just do it. I don't think about it. You know. When I met Paul McCartney, I said to him, you know what I really loved about the Beatles? You always had the fucking best melodies. Yep, yep. And they always had great melodies. And, and that's what I took from the Beatles. My father said to me, he said, I don't know much about this modern music, but if you haven't got a melody, you haven't got a song. Yeah. Some of these song bands are around, which is, which is okay. But if you start whistling their, 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 what they do, you'd think you were mad. Yes, it's true. <laughs> Sharon, the first time that you um, ever heard Ozzy sing, can yeah. you remember what you thought? Yeah, I can remember where it was. It was at the Marquee Club mm. in London, in Soho. Mm. And it was absolutely packed in there. It was only a small club. The sweat was coming down the walls. And I'd been used to seeing all... American bands that my dad used to bring over mm. to promote. Mm. And I was shocked. And I'm like, what is this? And then after a couple of songs, you know, you get the goosebumps and, you know, I, I can remember Ozzy like really like leaning over to the crowd and he would, you know, put his hands out to the crowd. And I hadn't seen anyone perform in that style before mm. so i was really like whoa what the fuck was that yeah yeah like everyone yeah but at the same time 
I just, I just did it naturally. I just, I, I, I like to, I like to when I'm on stage, I like to feel that I'm a part of the audience and the audience are a part of me. It's just like a one big thing. You know? Where does that come from, do you think? Because not everybody does that. A lot of people love the barrier. They prefer a barrier between audience and them. It allows no, no. them to perform. To I mean, Black way. Sabbath was like a people's band. Very was, much so, yeah. And Randy Rhodes was a, was a great th- musician that I found. He was unbelievably talented. I would go so far as to say he was the, the best musician that I've ever worked with. Cause he, he, I remember when we got rewrote A Goodbye to Romance, I had the melody on guess today. And she goes, have I heard that before? I was not nice nice melody. He goes, uh, you know what, you'd be better in this. Now, that was a big jump for me. Because yeah. Sabbath would do a riff, they go, Ozzy put a vocal on it. No matter if it was out of my range, or too high, too low. And I just had to do it, you know. Where Randy was a, a big help for me. To An it. angel, man. Well, I mean, without Randy, right? He's he was so patient, and I think that's because his mother taught him. She was a music teacher. Mm. Then he was a music teacher for mm. a while, mm. and his patience was unbelievable. And he was very calming. Also, when we were on the road, he would be giving the support guitar player lessons on the road. Oh, that's amazing! That's what a great story. I mean, I'm always I always remember stories about Fugazi going out and inviting support bands to their motel and cooking them vegan dinners. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> Because they were as poor as Fugazi were. Yeah. They wanted to have that experience together sure. before they went and did shows. Yeah. The night just before the show. Yeah. I love the idea of him being that generous with his time and his skills. Oh, he was he was um he was unbelievable. He didn't drink, he didn't do drugs, he just No, nah, he drank. Not drugs, not a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he drank he drank a little bit, but not like us. Yeah. Oh, don't bring me into it. So you never drank? <laughs> I, no, I broke his guitar one day. What? what? Yeah, what he, because he made me a stew yeah. with some. I shit never, in it. I never fucking what did that. What was the shit you put in it? A bit of black hash. <laughs> and I don't do anything like that. And I was eating this stew, yeah. and it sent me crazy. And then she gets it the made phone in the wall. She throws the phone at me, and it goes straight in her face. And she, <laughs> sitcom of, style. Yeah. And then Randy's guitar was there, and I picked it up and I slammed it against the wall, and all that was left was the neck, and it just made me go insane. And it was you that did it. Is it true? Are you willing to admit that now? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Sharon, what, Sharon, what was the excuse when you broke my guitar? Oh, Wait, what? What? I, did I it. was I thinking didn't. about he's doing mushrooms. He's winding you up, Andrew. <laughs> do you know? Do you know where you are? You're about fifteen minutes away from uh, Tony Iommi's house. Really? Yeah, that's where he lives. Uh, it's a yeah. beautiful Should part of the world. Should I go wake his ass up? <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful part of the world. I mean, if you're going to pick a place to go and, and chill right now, um, or in fact live, you could it's do worse beautiful. than the Cotswolds. It's yeah. amazing. And, I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm having a blast. I'm, I'm just sitting here. I'm like just listening to this stuff. And like as I hear Ozzy and Sharon talk, I got to just say, like, you have no idea how much these two people have taught me. And like just... Like, you Elaborate know, a little bit, I, Andy. I mean, let's let's share with the people, like you know, some of those. No, I'm those just things. saying, you know, making heavy music is one thing. Making rock music, loving rock music, but to make an Aussie album, that's like there's a lot 
that goes with that. And mm. as Ozzy has so beautifully explained, like his, there's nothing more important to him than his fans' happiness. And there's no one that understands what makes his fans happier than Sharon. So, hmm. you know, to get this album to the level of heaviness that it needed to be was work and was work. And everyone stayed in it until until the final stage. And the coolest thing that I learned, I would say, I learned so much on the last album. We were talking about heavy music, right? And he said, OK, Andrew, listen to Led Zeppelin right now. It's like, what's the loudest thing in the mix? <laughs> so uh, most people would say guitar right so i'm gonna i pick drums because i love john bonham i'm like the drums he's like nope try again so i then i was like guitar he's like nope try again he's like the bass the bass is what makes a band heavy mm -hmm. if you're gonna mix this album heavy lead with the bass and so that's what we did on this well, album. you know the beatles used to put the bass on the last thing they used to put on was the bass that was the last th thing they track yeah, they yeah. tracked the bass. Yeah. Ba McCartney would put a guide on. Then it, when it was all done, he'd, he'd stick it because he was the most melodic bass player yeah, yeah. ever. He's great. You listen oh, yeah. to some of his plays. Fucking incredible. Yeah, absolutely mind blowing. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, you know, because there is so much groove in this in this record. Yeah, it's heavy. And the guitars are on 11, and everyone's firing, and all of a sudden, you know how I described this album, Andy, Sharon, Ozzy? Mm. I was out there before you arrived, and we were listening to it, and the song ended because all your songs have to end. They don't fade, they end. You know, they're just like, <laughs> and, you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> they end, you know what I'm saying? And so it ended, and I said, I just turned to the team, I said, it doesn't get better than that. I was like, you're not going to find anyone who's going to make a better record than that. And that genre, that's it. It's done. Like, that is the sound of, of Ozzy with the surrounding players. You're all levitating in the lotus position at a point where energy is, you're able to just pull things that no one else can see and just make something that no one else is going to make. That's what it is. It's just the highest level. It's, I think that it's between Andrew and Ozzy. They've managed to make the heaviest album that is so accessible to everyone because of the melody lines. Yeah. You don't have to like heavy music I was in the car to with enjoy my, this. I had my 16-year-old in the car yesterday and I said, I'm going to listen to the Aussie album again. We're driving back from school and I'm like, I'm just listening to the Aussie album again because it's like a lot I want to take it in. We got to about track number 10 and he just could not stop talking about Nothing Feels Right, which is my, <laughs> which is my favorite as well. And I said, it's pretty fucking good. And he was like, it's fucking exceptional. And he doesn't listen to heavy music, no, so but he recognizes the quality of it. But that is the thing that they've managed to do with this. Yeah, man. It's me, me and Andrew have, have developed to a... A, 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 a shorthand. A great... Yeah. Uh, I mean, Andrew's the young guy, and he, he, he educates me what's going on now. Yeah. I, I just I don't look, look at the charts. I don't... But Andrew says, Billy, trust me, trust me. I'm fucking trust you. <laughs> It's working. You know, if you're 15 minutes away from Tony, then it's time for us to talk Tony. Now, this is um, the longest lasting musical and creative relationship you've ever had in your life. This is the person who well, you continue to be. Well, there was a period ignorant. of time when we were arch enemies. But then, once since I've been laid up with his surgery, yeah. I had bad surgery. He's been so supportive to me. Yeah. He's texted me all the time and he's, you know, we text each other. And we just did the... Ended the Commonwealth Games. I was going to ask, Burnham. how was that? It's really nice to have a be, be friendly with someone. I, I used to intimidate the shit. Is me. that? Do you think what was at the root of the of the distrust that that went on was the fact that you felt uh, intimidated by him? Well, I mean, I, I just felt like this. 
I used to, they were the musicians and I was the singer. Right. And I, I, I didn't have that much to say what went down, you know. Yeah. I, I, the only thing I did was try and put a melodic melody line there. I couldn't do it because it was too out of my range, you yeah. know. But I, I couldn't understand what, you know. Because I used to do album tracks and, and stage tracks, but it was tough for a while. Yeah. But at the end of the day, We'd been ripped off by a manager, by the manager. Then we tried to manage ourselves, and we couldn't manage ourselves. But we uh, just folded in the end. But yeah. Ozzy always says that leaving a band is like a divorce. It's and just it like getting divorced. Oh, you know, exactly. At first, you're angry. You get really angry, and then as time goes on. You know, it as they say, time heals time everything. Time heals everything. And to see them, I mean, it wasn't just when Ozzy got ill because they did so many tours yeah. before that yeah. but together. They, but, but the tours, it was like stepping back for me. It was the same old thing, you know, and I thought, fuck In it. terms of the dynamic? The, 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 the way I felt. You know, yeah. Tony would say, it's not an Ozzy show, it's, you know, it's not your band. And it was... A, a, a lot, a lot of unsettlement. Uh, yeah. I, I, di- I didn't enjoy it. You know? Yeah, yeah, and which is especially tough because we all really did, and that begins that really tough trade of what makes you happy versus that commitment to making us happy. And yeah, that can pull it, you but, apart, but how, right? But, but, I mean, if I'm not happy making you happy, yeah. It's not. It's not a fair deal. But you but gave then, it a good crack. But well, how I many, did. I how did. many bands, Ozzy, do we know that have been together so long and they're still great pals? Yeah, I can't Very think few. of one. Very few. Yeah. Very. I mean, I mean look at Zeppelin. Yeah. Look at ALP. They used to fucking travel separately. Yeah. Stay in separate hotels. Yeah, but it's so many bands. So it's really many tough. Bands. It's and really it tough. is tough. Yeah. It is because everybody does have an ego. I mean, because and um, they deserved when, it. When I, when I, when I yeah. left Sabbath, yeah. I did okay, I did good. Yeah, so coming back to Sabbath, I would have thought that you would have come back and, exp- and just enjoyed no, it for I, what it I, was. I, you know I, what I mean? Because you had this whole other life. Was, I was a singer with Black Sabbath. It was my own band now. So I, I, if somebody got up my nose, I'd just re- get rid of them. Yeah, but the joke of it is that Ozzy and Tony are partners in Sabbath. They own the name together. Mm. So they are business partners Don't have any well. fucking ideas, Mr. Zoe. Shut up, you. <laughs> so oh, fucking one-eyed, one-legged bass player, me, it's only Z- <laughs> <laughs> Zane, Zane, how crazy is it? Not now, what? Ozzy? Not now. This is just getting good. Not now. I'm just how crazy <laughs> is it? How crazy is it to hear Ozzy say, "In Black Sabbath, I was just the singer." Yeah, like look, he puts it down. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, what I like is what he followed it up with, which was, you know, in my own world, I get to make the decisions, and I think that's kind of what you're alluding to to some degree. No, is I mean, that you're not that kid anymore I in Black mean, Sabbath? If I don't like a certain sound, I'll say I don't like that sound. But you couldn't say that to fucking them. Could you say oh, it to yeah, them well, now? Fuck off! Could you say it to them? Could you say it to them when you were touring reunion? No, 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 no. It was just oh, that's what I, when I said I, I, it was like reverting back. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I, there was a time and Tony went off at me about because you know I do parenthesis, see your hands and you know, yeah. you know get the crowd going, but it, it was just a it was like um, you have a relationship. You, and you go back to it, and, you, and you, it's like you're just taking off, 
starting the same again. Yeah, picking up where you left off. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you get to come back and you get to sit in the studio with Andrew Watt and, and players like Chad Smith and Rob. Oh. Who just... Oh. Robert. I mean, Robert is like, this is the thing I love about the, the two of you and, and you know, your family, your children and everything else is that um, you you have family that is that is nurtured, that is blood, and you have chosen family, but there's not a huge line between them. I feel like you really do have an extended family. Oh, Rob, oh, Rob, Rob is... of all the players that I've played with in my life, I said to, I say to them when they come on, look, if you get a... A, a job offer that you want to take, that's okay, but don't just I don't don't just leave a fucking note and I'm in the middle of it. Mm. Give me time to replace them. Rob, when he when he joined Metallica, he came. He said, "I said you must be fucking Joe. Of course you got you got to go." And and, he, and we left on really good terms. And Rob is a very, besides working for me and all these other bands, he's a family friend. He is, his kids, his wife. And to see, like, for me, when he was in um, suicidal... Suicidal tendencies, yeah. Because I'd known them for so long. He used to come up to the office and sometimes Ozzy's stage clothes would be in the office. And he goes, he would be walking around in one of Ozzy's <laughs> big on. coats, trying them on, and just that's like a little kid. Yeah. And you see him now, know. you know, this Talking great about man. kids, his son is... He's a beast, Amazing. Beast. Isn't he great? Absolute beast. The apple does not fall far and from the tree there. And he plays for suicidal. He does, yeah. And it's oh, a beautiful. Does? Yeah, yes. he does. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, it must have been a big thing for him. I mean, obviously, it's funny. When people talk about Rob and Metallica, it's like this duh moment. Of course, duh, you know, you're Metallica. I don't think it would have been. In fact, I spoke to him around that time when he just joined the band. It wasn't an easy choice for him. No. Because because of the bond that we had, yeah, and but, 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 I've known but, him so long. But yeah, Rob's yeah. such a sweet man, yeah. such a lovely man. Yeah, yeah. And Mike Borden. Yeah, I know. Just a gem of a guy. I know. And this you is know? what I love about us as well. You have this generosity to the way that you move with these musicians. It's not like Mike's not in faith no more. I mean, like, Zach, you know what I mean? It's like... I went mean, Zach, I said to Zach, just play, play a couple of fiddles on this thing, he says. He says, I, I says, thank you so much for doing this. He goes, I'll always, I'll always have your back, Ozzy. He's really... Well, you, Ozzy's the god godfather to his son. To Zach's son. Yeah, and That's just, beautiful. it's... um, it, it's and family. You've known him since he was 18. He's 50 plus now. So, you know, you nothing... He's the longest player I've ever worked with. Wow. Other than Tony. Other no, than Tony. But consistency. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, I get yeah. It. yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And you're right, you're correcting me. When I say the longest lasting creative relationship, technically it is Tony, but actually in reality, it's Zach. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. It's Zach. Yeah. So let's talk about Zach because his playing always deserves some 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 chat time. Um, he's he's just he, you know what I, you know what I take from Zach when I hear him play. I feel like I'm on a fighter jet and it's just gone and taken off. He plays. And he plays like what he is, this great yeah. big guy. Yeah. And the sound that he gets, you go... Viking metal. Goes, oh, exactly. <laughs> He's like a fucking Viking, isn't he? Viking is. metal. He did, he did um, an interview for this album, yeah. and he sat through the whole interview with his big beard and fucking horns on. <laughs> and you're like, okay, 
that's fine. But that's what you think he looks like when you hear him play. If you had no idea what Zach looked like, you would hope that's what he looked like. Exactly. When we on the road, we drop drones for the night. Yeah. And you get to a hotel at fucking... Five in the morning. Yeah. If there's a piano there, you go, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. What Jack was talking about the other day, we were in Japan, yeah. and in this one hotel there was a bar on the roof, and, like, they had this little young band playing, and Zach strides <laughs> up, big old thing, and he takes the guitar from this guitar player who's about five foot two in height, and, like... I'll show Give you us a fiddle. Give me a fucking fiddle. <laughs> and then he starts, and then he goes to the piano, and you're like dying in your seat. I mean, I'm in the thing. I'm, I'm in a place called the Roundhouse one time. Yeah, yeah, in London. London, and uh, I'm looking at the fucking stage. Suddenly, behind me, the crowd separates, and that wheel, a fucking grand piano, with Zach singing on it, <laughs> push it through the crowd. I'm like. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Andrew, um, are you still there, mate? He's gone. How dare you, Andrew? I fucking hate that guy anyway. Really? I fucking hate that guy. You know, he's so overrated, Andrew Watt. <laughs> <laughs> what a special kid that, that guy is. Now he's gone, we can talk about him in genuine in genuine terms because he's <laughs> kind to you. What, what a special kid. I mean, what a... I mean, I, I can't describe him because he, 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 I go... Oh, I didn't think that was going to work. Yeah. No, I I always say I've got mm. bloody underwear older mm. than him. <laughs> it's you true. Know? And it's like... Uh, I, I when, know that. Shut up. Stinks. <laughs> <laughs> Love's great story unfolding How right before our very you. eyes. You romantic fool. You big you. old romantic. Listen, I've been married nearly 23 years, so if anyone gets that gag, I do. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I wanted to talk to you about, about this because your, your, your story together is so remarkable individually what you've achieved with your lives just purely from a from a, a, a the construct of, of value and success we all apply to each other right like success on this success on that whatever this the great success is your marriage is it not it has to be yeah well you know it's it like is. there's times when she's getting fed up with me and there's times when of I'm course fed. that's marriage. Um, i mean when you see these people who go we've been married so 30 years we've never had an i don't buy it I mean, they must be living on different fucking planets. I just don't buy it. I just think some people like to keep their shit private, and that's their disclaimer. That's or fine. then, or then, when the divorce happens, yeah, you know why? Work commitments pulled us apart. We yeah, know, yeah, yeah, all yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. And, no, I, I, and give us privacy, please. <laughs> so, did you ever establish honesty rules at the beginning of your marriage that no matter what happens, we will spare each other the unnecessary pain of not being ourselves? I, I, I was myself too much. Right, but, but she's still here. <laughs> I overdosed on myself. Yeah. Um, it's, I think, because... I mean, you are, I, I believe so you only have... I think dealing with this, with mm. other people, mm. being in the industry, mm. that it just was like, and? You can handle it. Yeah. yeah. So and it's it, worth it. Yeah. If you love someone, you love someone unconditionally, and yeah. it has to be unconditionally. Well, I, 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 I think you only have one really true love in your life. Ozzy. Boom. I agree. Because, I mean, you know, people die and people get married. But you, you, 
it's never the, I, I mean, I was married before, and looking back, I, I, I thought love was sex. Mm. You know, when I was 21, it was mm. like sex. Mm. But it's not, it's like, it's, it's, I mean, I, I, Sharon's my heart and soul. She, I, mean, I, w- I would not be alive. I, I mean, it's funny, I was talking to my makeup artist this morning, and I was, and, uh, and I was saying, you know, how lucky I am to have what I have. I wouldn't know if it wasn't for Sharon, I would be dead long ago. I wouldn't have lasted. And me too. Well, you died of fucking shopping, over shopping. Yeah, he saved me and I saved him. You gotta make each other yeah. laugh. You gotta be, you know what I mean? You gotta be able to sit privately in a room and rip the shit out of everybody that's yeah. walking this earth and know you're safe to do it. Yeah, and he, Ozzy, nobody makes me laugh like Ozzy does. You know, when he's on, he's a funny fuck. Oh, yeah. And he's got the best laugh in the biz. It, he's the only man who can laugh without making a sound, and it's better than anybody <laughs> else making a sound. That's yeah. what I think. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's just, you, you roll with it. You you, yeah. you get up and you do, do it again. You, you, you do, I mean, the, the thing about it is, if you, get, if you go, oh, I can't take this anymore, I'm getting divorced, who's to say, you know, I'm not going to marry someone who, it's worse. Yeah. No, listen, I've said this to someone the other day because I was having a problem and I said, look, everyone's entitled to a fresh start. Everyone's entitled to a new horizon. You do whatever you think you got to do in the moment. Just understand you're living with that consequence. Now, if there's a part of you that thinks that there's some work to be done, I recommend you do the work and then make that decision because the yeah. work, it does get better every time that deeper well, you go. Our, our kids are, are having... The, my first marriage, I, I, uh, I kind of divorced my kids as well. Mm. And uh, because it's it, you get you start again, you know, and and uh, when I had to let go let go of the kids, it really b- broke my heart because I, I genuinely did love them kids. I still do, but I it, it got to be strained because I, I married another woman, and they, you know, their mom got the, the kids got caught in the thrash, yeah. and, so, and so and so and so. With this marriage, I didn't want that to happen, and so we tried to work it. Well, I worked it. Or, you know, try to work my way through the problem. So, what is, if I may ask you the question, which I don't know if anyone's ever really had the balls to ask, I'm going to ask you, what is the secret from your perspective to a long-lasting marriage and a union that, that, that lasts through the challenges that you've been through together? What is the secret? Uh, don't let your mystery find out. <laughs> <laughs> He's an arsehole, isn't he? he All right, is Brummy. All right, Brummy. All right, look, he goes and spends two days in Birmingham doing the Commonwealth Games and then he goes right back. Right back. <laughs> what about you? What's the secret? Let's get one joke answer and one genuine one. It's um, acceptance. Mm. And you have to compromise. If you can't compromise, then you're, you know, in which is, trouble. Which is so funny because your reputation to anyone who doesn't know you but thinks they know you is that compromise is not big on your list of things to do. No, but Sharon, I'm a Sharon goes a protector. You I don't, protect people yeah. and I protect him over everyone and there's else. No compromise for that. No compromise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Andrew knows. Andrew and I have argued like you oh, wouldn't believe. You. And he'll give it right back? Oh God, he's a stubborn little shit. <laughs> he's like, I'm not coming back until you apologize. And I'm like, can't do it. And then, of course, I apologise, and he's back. 
<laughs> we have these little feuds. I'm not talking to you until I'll go to the studio and then he goes, What's up with your I go, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Dad, you've got to talk to Mum. But it also makes you closer. Yeah. Because then it's not a superficial relationship. Exactly. You get to really know what makes that other person tick. And then you do get closer. You know, I remember meeting Jack for the first time when he was young and the TV show was a hit and he was in it, like in it, whatever it is, he was in it. And we were doing some festival coverage at MTV. He got roped into it. And, you know, he was splitting his time between hosting these links and Mm -hmm. then going into the trailer for an AA meeting and going Mm -hmm. through the process at a very young age. And I've, and I've always wanted to ask this question with both of you in the room because it, it stayed with me long before I became a parent. What was going through your minds at the time when someone that young is dealing with the pressure of a, of a hit like that, but um, equally having to get himself right because it's going the wrong way? One of the reasons why we stopped was because of the kids. Mm. It was... Um, I, I said, uh, uh, season three, I, I, I said... What do you want to do? Everybody went, we want to pull it. Jack was do, uh, strung out. I was strung out. Yeah. Kelly was strung out. Sharon was fucking battling cancer. Yeah. It, it, and Jack is probably the only person I've ever met in my life that got treatment and stayed sober. He's been sober since he was 17. What does that tell you about him? As your son, and as a person, he's got a, He's he's a great guy. He's got a strong personality. Mm-hmm. He's like his mum. His mum goes, "I don't want to do this anymore." Bam. Me, I don't want to do it next time. Doing it again. When <laughs> Kelly's like my daughter, Kelly's so much like me, and Jack's mm-hmm. so much like his mum. You know, it was the first of its kind that show. It was the first of its kind, mm. and and could you ever have predicted what that particular narrative? just as a whole, the idea of a life come to life mm-hmm. would become, given that you were right at the, you were the first to do it. Never in a million years did I ever foresee that it made the impact that it did. It wasn't like, oh, I know this is going to do this and so I could prepare the kids. Mm. There was no preparation and it was just like, whoa, what have we done? I, was I, it tr- I, were you trying to put it back in the bottle as soon as it bolted? Well, one of my best friends said to me, this is going to end bad. Wow. You know. Yeah. And she was right. I remember one one time we had yeah. Elton John playing at a party in the garden. And Sharon, about a week or so, I had a row with the next door neighbor and she got a, a playing a acoustic guitar till four o'clock in the morning. So Sharon said, would you want to stop playing said, this fucking guitar all night long? So she goes, oh, well, we had, <laughs> we had to listen to Elton John. Do the hey, yeah, and Elton... <laughs> And Tony Bennett was singing in the garden for my colon cancer. Right. Um, we were raising money yeah. for it. And this arsehole who was singing Kumbaya <laughs> with his mate Kumbaya. in the garden. He struggling goes, with Elton and Tony. Yes. And that's <laughs> what he said to me. And I'm like, you're out of your mind. Only in the city. But you threw a log through his window. Yeah, I'm fine. Burning log. He did. <laughs> Not just a log, but a flame. What are you, Game of Thrones? That's you it. Th- like, he goes, I've had enough of them. And he picks up a log that was... On fire. And threw it through his window. Shit. 
I think it landed on his desk. <laughs> Smoking fucking <laughs> You know, I've seen a lot in my life, but you're the only person I know who's th- by oh, hand st- throwing a flaming log through yes. someone's window. I'll tell you a story. One, one, uh, uh, yeah, coyote would call her and keep, 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 keep killing the dogs. Yeah. So these security guys said to me, she says, you know what you want to do? You see, you want to get a chicken from the supermarket, <laughs> fill it full of, of antifreeze, car antifreeze. Right. And put it on his run with it. He'll eat, he'll eat it, and the antifreeze will, will make it die of dehydration. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he puts it on the fence. Yeah. 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 So uh, three weeks why do I th- Why do I think this story's going to end really badly? <laughs> no, three weeks later, this cop knocks the door. He looks like Robo coming up, fucking visor and mice, guns, everything. He goes, uh, Mr. Uh, you Mr. Osborne? Yeah, he says, well, we've had a complaint. I said, well, what, what about? He says, uh, you've been leaving uh, <laughs> black, black magic effigies for, to put a curse on the name. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? Because you put a black chicken on a fucking fence. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Well, 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 first I'm going, what the fuck is he on about? I forgot about it. I forgot, forgot about it. He says there's all these blue fucking, blue stuff oozing out of his cursed chicken. <laughs> You're going to miss this city when you go. You know you will. It's so I'm fucked like, up. Fuck, you know. It is such a mess. You know, when I heard that you guys were moving back to the UK, I thought, good for you. Good for you. You know it's what getting I mean? Re- the reason why we're moving back to England is because it's... it's it's getting really bad here now. I mean, and it's getting seems to be getting worse. We're not going to leave until I'm coming back for work. Sure. And we spend, we'll be spending, still spending a fair amount of time here. Our grandkids, our kids are here. <laughs> but it's like uh, we got a lovely, we got a great house in England. We haven't, I haven't been back to England in what in eight nine years. Yeah. And when I went back to the other day, I was like, wow. But one thing I did when we went back to the Commonwealth Gaming, the, there's no the air conditioning does not exist. Yeah, in they're England. not built for the summer, and I hate to break it to you, climate change is coming for everybody, and so you know it's not. So it's not I like Sharon's ready for that. I said to Sharon, air conditioning in the house. What were you doing? <laughs> yeah, smart. You know. Is that is that the place of most peace when you look back on where your children are in their lives right now, where the family unit is right now, is and, and you recognise that through all of this, at the moment, everybody is no, well, either uh, with child or of child, families. You see what this phase of your life is. Does that bring you peace? It's it's never one hundred percent peace. Because you never know what's going to... Something, the most unexpected things yeah. can happen and does happen. Yeah. I mean, Sharon, I, I, I'm, I just get on with my life. Sharon goes, she's on something or he's on something. I, I, never, I never look at him right Yeah. But Kelly, my Kelly gave us a run for, her, for our money. But I, I never let, let, I never give up on her. But you know what's really interesting is she said something in an interview that I saw re- relatively recently where she was talking a little bit about how the family is adapting to Parkinson's and the things mm. that you've been going on within your health. And she said something that made me realize, like, oh, she gets it, right? She totally gets what the, the transition of life. Mm-hmm. She said that um, we now have to, to, be, to be buoyant and be, and be supportive and concerned for dad. It's like role reversal. 
It is. So, so she acknowledged yeah. Yeah. that, Ke- that, I mean, that Kelly- you had to do that for her for so long. Kelly has and spent, Jan- you know what, where people say about therapy, Kelly's been in therapy a long time yeah. to get herself together. Good for her. And it's unbelievable. I'm the a way- fan, by the way, of therapy, so I'm with that. So the way she's a woman... And she knows her own mind. She knows what she wants. She's not a people pleaser anymore. That's therapy. Oh, when we were in the Osbournes, <laughs> I was getting these fucking bills from the Beverly Hills. I'd sell for like $35,000. Oh, I'm fucking... sorry, what? <laughs> what? And so I go, what the fuck is this, you know? So I go, I go to the Beverly Hills. I said, this is some mistake. I got $35,000 in three months. She says, oh, Kelly brings all the school friends home and says, fills the coffee shop up and buys them all fucking dinners on, 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 on your account. Yeah, Sharon's like, you know, I, I never thought I'd say this, but I wish you would just wreck my home and not cost me $35,000 at the PHH. You know what I mean? I says, what the fuck they eating? Yeah. Show them whatever they want. Whatever they want. And that's the trick, right? That's the trick. And it is a total success story that as a family... You've been through not only the price of success, $35,000 a night, <laughs> uh, but also the, in such a public eye, in such a public space, and, and, yet, and yet the kids are still here. Yeah. Families first. If your family needs me, you, you, I mean, as fucked up as I am, if my family needed me to do something for the family, I wouldn't think twice. Was that I, the thing that ultimately got you sober every time, was that your family needed you? Because No, if, I got sober for, my, for, you. for me. Yeah. Because I couldn't stand me being fucked up anymore. I mean, believe me, if I enjoy it, I'll be still out there. Yeah. I mean, I the first thing I quit was tobacco, which is you speak to any addict, ex-addict, they say, I could do the smacking, the booze, whatever, but tobacco. But it was one of the first things I quit. If you don't mind me asking, how was surgery? You look fantastic and you sound fantastic. And you've Well, been- I'm, I'm somewhat better. But it's going to take a while for me to get my balance back here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can only just do the best I can. Because when we spoke in 2020, just before quarantine on Ordinary Man, and uh, which was great at, at Andy's studio, I remember you you saying a few times in that interview, man, I'm bashed up. Like, I'm bashed up. How he was I, I, I mean, we, we found out that the first fucking surgeon did it all wrong anyway. <sighs> so when, when I was having physical therapy, and I had to... <laughs> My head. It, it was ripping muscle in with these things I had stuck in my neck. Just oh, overcompensating. Plates. Yeah, he was. He went in and did a really excessive operation that he didn't need, and so he went in and took things out and put two big metal plates with screws. I mean, I mean, and, and the body rejected them. Yeah, and his head, he couldn't lift his head up. Oh, so when I was doing physical therapy, I was pushing my it was ripping the muscles. And the screws in the... Um, plates. Plates were coming loose. And as they were working loose, there was debris from bones and muscle, and it was caught under his spinal cord. Oh, Ozzy, I'm so sorry. What a nightmare. I mean, it's still, just, it's not, I'm not in that, that pain anymore. I've tried, I, before I came here, I was having physical therapy. Yeah, yeah. But it's slow. It's just, uh, but I will get back on stage if it fucking kills me. Jesus, man, I can't wait. This album is so ferocious. 
We haven't even talked about Mike fucking McCready. Oh, <laughs> so I know. Sick. Mike McCready, who just looks like the nicest guy ever. And I he's know. just such an animal. I know. And what about Taylor? I know. Taylor's. There's a line in, in one of them. Every time I hear the line, it's, it's, it's a, a degradation. Yeah. It was red tube rules or something. And he was the one. I, I said, what the fuck, red tubes? He goes, you don't know what red tubes are? I said, no. Is this a free porn? So I said, it's great. <laughs> so when I do an ordinary man, when I says, I'll make you scream, I'll make you defecate, they all says, you can't do that. I says, yes, I fucking can. <laughs> That's the definition of one rule for you and one rule for everybody else. I just go, I mean... When someone says you can't do that, I go. Oh, you want to watch? Yeah, I don't think I don't think I don't see how anyone would ever fucking even pretend to say that to you at this point in your in your in your journey or at any point. But um, yeah, I mean, Taylor's hard because it's still so raw, right, for people. And I mean, the shows are coming up, the big shows are coming up, I know. very important. And I mean, it's it's we talked a little bit about that when we spoke around Ordinary Man, some of the greats that I think around that time we'd only just lost Chris. Cornell, um, you know, and and Ozzy, you're out living a mall, but I, I know you're an empath, an empath, and and you love musicians and love the artistic spirit, and so losing Taylor, who played, who's on this album, must have been really yeah, tough. It's like a little boy. I know. He had the spirit yeah. of a of a really younger man, and he was a guy that never looked his age. Yeah, it's true. When I, when he, was he, like Peter he, he goes to me, he goes to me. He said, uh, "Oh." I work for Dave Grohl. I go, yeah, what do you do? He goes, Dave Grohl. I drum for Dave Grohl. <laughs> and he goes, I do, I drum for Dave Grohl. I go, He's my back. I go, yeah, you fucking said that five times now. Because <laughs> he fucking pinched himself probably every day. It's a beautiful thing, man, um, that relationship that existed. That's a shame it's that, you know, that, that Taylor left. Um, but it's but great to hear know, him on the record. I look down that road and I go, so many of people we know are gone, you know. Yeah. I'm just so grateful you're still here making records like this. Well, I ain't got, I refuse to fucking die, I do. <laughs> are you good? Grim Reaper comes and I go, fuck off, you're not ready yet. We're going to get him on the stage? Yeah, definitely. I just want to hear this as much of this music and as much of Ordinary Man mm-hmm. fit into what you've already created, which is so wonderful. And but it's, I'll wait it's, for that it's moment. different to what I used to do. I, I, it's, it's different music. But I don't. It's like it's it's kind of at first I'm like, is it too melodic? Is it too accessible? No. Are people to get me? Because I'm always like, you know, I mean, my thing is, none of us in this game have gone. Okay, I've had a fucking great run. It's about time I'd played a dreadful album, wrote (laughs) a bad record. But sometimes it did, you know. It's like when I I said to Sharon, Sharon. Fucking ICDC back in Black Soul 34, the second biggest selling album ever. And Sharon says, you, you don't very often get two of them. Yeah. You know, you, in, you, in, a, in an artist's career, yeah. you know. And I always used to say to Ozzy, the bigger you get, there's only one way to go, and that's down. When Davey Bowie was Ziggy Stardust, yeah. he, he switched from the two to a like disco thing. But I thought about it, I think, because that Ziggy Stardust thing was months big. Yeah. And he knew he had to... He had to kill it. Yeah. He had to. And I actually was just going to say that I think think the only solution 
to a life where you are existing to hold on to something you have no control over. Because guess what? I'm a music fan. And if I don't like your music, that's you don't you can't yeah. force me to. So guess what? It's going to happen at some point because you can't control the world. The only thing you can do is just follow your gut. That's what I do. I mean, uh, And you can't stay in, I mean, there's in two, that there's bubble. I mean, there's two tracks. Terrible idea. There's two tracks that I want to redo again, which never made this album. Right. Oh, it's two extra tracks that were... Because uh, I didn't think they were uh, of the standard. But, you know, if, we'll see what we can do with them later. Dark Side Blues. You know, to me, that's about as, as close to going home. Weirdly, that's what I felt about it as anything I've ever well, heard you I, make. That, that was a melody that was, that was singing. My, I was going, I left my heart in heart. Jack says to me one day, he says, hey, how many fucking more times are you going to sing that one line? <laughs> you write the thing and fucking... <laughs> I was singing it for about four, two or three years, and he was going, what the fuck are you doing? You're driving me nuts. I left my heart. So you did it. Yeah. What I love about it is that um, it's a beautiful, poignant way for the album to end. Because, I think so. Because what it, what it says to me is at some point, no matter where you find yourself in 30 years, sitting on a deck somewhere in the Cotswolds, wherever you want to live, you'll still be fucking humming those tunes and making those tunes. Like, I see a blues album. I see a genuine, you could totally fucking kill a blues album. How long have I been? Sharon has been saying that for me. I'm on your team. Blues album. For so long. In fact, we went and years ago and we had a meeting with Don Was because I said he could do a blues album. You know we could do a blues album. We've turned it on me. Yeah. 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 Because we both, we we Sabbath, started off doing blues. Yeah. Yeah, I think you get, I think you bring it home. If you listen to the, we didn't just go uh, heavy metal. We we progressed, and it was, there's was a lot of jazz in every Sabbath as well. Yeah, for sure. I would love to hear it. I I want to yeah. thank you personally for being so generous with your time today, and uh, thanks to Andy for showing up as well. Um, breaking out of his fancy fucking wine dinner, so really? we can, you know, what I mean, out of the oh, Cotswolds, yeah. like, whatever they call a pub in the Cotswolds, which is very much not like a pub. Exactly. Uh, and uh, I just want to say thanks for for making such a, a a blistering, amazing, inspired body of work here with your friends. Thank you. Thank you. Really appreciate you. Appreciate Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> That was fun. That was really fun. A lot of laughter, actually, and uh, and some emotional moments, too, in what was a memorable conversation for me and hopefully for you with the remarkable and iconic Ozzy and Sharon Osbourne. Next conversation right here on the interview series coming Thursday is with Marcus Mumford. Take care until then. 